All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Boxed Wine and Witchcraft. Bet you can't guess who's here with me tonight <laughs> in this recording. <laughs> Y'all get one guess. Only one. If you one. don't know that place by now. <laughs> I don't have podcast voice. I don't have like, what is it? Newscaster voice. Mm. Yeah, sadly. Journalism was never in my my aspirations anyway, so. Well, I never thought I'd be on a podcast or be doing YouTube lives every week as it is. <laughs> I don't God, know. what do you think you are? A millennial? Oh my God. I'd rather you're trying hide to be an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to be behind the camera and behind the microphone, but here we are. <laughs> and our topic, what's, what's our topic tonight? So our topic is going to be using, it's magic around you. It's going to be using the things that are commonly already available to you, um, lurking in a cabinet, somewhere in a hutch, somewhere on the table, and using those items in magical ways. <clears throat> and this is something that a lot of people know as folk magic, the magic of the people. Um, and this is where a lot of folk magics started was in the home with the things they already had. Um, it is very accessible to people. It's not the kind of magic that you need the key of Solomon and 50 kinds of pentagrams just to summon one spirit and knives with multicolored handles and cloaks made of goat skin and you mean no. I can use my non-matching butter knife and um, <laughs> the craft candelabra and <laughs> whatever yes. I'm laying around? <laughs> you don't need a flail and a dagger and everything else. This isn't high magic. High magic is so elitist and annoying. Um, this is the bones and dirt and stones and things that you can literally go outside in your front doorstep and collect. But to begin, I want to start with one item that is ubiquitous in American folk magic. You see this in brujería or curanderismo. You see this in hoodoo rootwork and conjure. You see this in other religions, such as Judaism and in Buddhism. You see this in um, certain types of more folkier Christianity. Um, the the spiritual baptists have done this i've seen and that is the red thread a simple string of red that has been knotted or sometimes not that is meant to protect the wearer or the space where it's tied for those of you familiar with modern iterations of kabbalah You'll see this on a lot of celebrities' wrists where they have this woolen string around their left wrist that has anywhere from seven to nine to 13 knots. You mean that's not the Illuminati symbol? No. Oh, that's what they all <laughs> say online and on YouTube that it's all Illuminati. Yeah, that's another part of like, even for those who know like it's Jewish origins, that's another... Um, like anti-Semitic viewpoint is like it's uh, it's a cult, you know, that Jews own all the banks and, you know, it gets into very conspiracy theory like situations, which, again, is a lot of anti-Semitism there. Um, 
But this also exists in Italian folk magic, um, which Greg could probably tell you more about than I can. Um, uh, Stregeria is not something I know a whole lot about. But this, this simple charm of cord that is red tied around the wrist protects primarily from evil eye, but most believers believe any any kind of damage or danger that could come to you. Sometimes prayers are said, most times prayers are said, um, but other times the prayers are tied into the cord. This is the case with those who practice the modern interpretations of Kabbalah. Um, this cord has been wrapped around Rachel's tomb. Special prayers have been said. It has been unwound and then cut into segments, and then those are given. In Buddhism, uh, both in Thai and Tibetan Buddhism, usually the string has at least one knot. And in Tibetan Buddhism, it's called a Vajra knot, and that'll look like either a barrel knot or a figure eight knot that has. A prayer spoken by the Lama giving the string, often the Karmapa in um, in my lineage, in other lineages, it could be the Dalai Lama or someone like Garchin Rinpoche, um, will say a prayer and blow that prayer into the knot as they constrict that knot. And that prayer stays within that knot. And that is given to the follower. In Thai Buddhism, it's something similar. It's called Sai Sin. And usually the prayers are spoken while it's being tied around your wrist, similar to uh, the Kabbalah tradition of when it's tied, it's tied on your wrist by someone who loves you. And there are two primary prayers that I remember. I don't remember the prayers themselves, but I remember there being two prayers that are spoken when tying this onto the wrist um, in seven, nine, or 13 knots. In any case, they're primarily meant for protection. <clears throat> so if you have ideally floss or embroidery thread or a crochet kind of twine, if you wanna take this and go get some elk in it root and dye it yourself, even better. Um, but simply cutting a length of that putting it on your wrist and tying it while saying a prayer that's meaningful to you is a good, strong, everyday protection. I have one because of you. <clears throat> you do. Yeah, I do. And now that all my surgery is over, I should get that tied on. Because <laughs> of course that was going to be on the left area. And I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> um, yeah. In your case, I would have like, rune tie it on your wrist or you know hoping a teenage kid <laughs> wants to like i don't even like you right now <laughs> hopefully hopefully your teenager loves you enough <laughs> <laughs> right maybe we can negotiate i won't make you shovel the path <laughs> if you sign this on does that count <laughs> we could have like greg do it or maria have grandma do it <laughs> Yes, grandma. Love Hawaiian grandma. <laughs> so another practice common in folk magic is the use of scissors and knives. For those of you who know what the doctrine of signatures are, you're going to get a refresher. 
The doctrine of signatures is the belief that an item, like a plant or a physical object, reflects what it can do magically. Take ginger, for instance. Ginger looks like the lungs. Ginger, when taken as a tea, can help open the lungs when you have a cold or when you have bronchitis. And it's very good for breathing. With scissors, what do they do? They cut. Knives cut. So scissors and knives are used a lot in what's called cut and clear workings, which are severance and cleansing rituals. But they're also good at protection. There are many ways to use scissors and knives. <clears throat> One of them is to place an open Bible under the bed and place a pair of open scissors on top of the Bible. Usually you'd want the Bible to be open to some kind of verse like the 23rd or 91st Psalm and place that under the head of the bed. And that is protection. Some people will place scissors either on the windowsill or hanging in the window. Um, again, sometimes they'll place it on red thread that's hanging in the window. Some will place knives at the top of the, what is that called? The doorpost. Um, again, these things are obviously secured in some way because you don't want a knife falling on your head when you enter the door. But these items, based on how they act in the physical world, show how they can act in the spiritual world. Scissors and knives remove things, and they also protect. So simply taking scissors or a knife, blessing them in some way with some kind of prayer that is appropriate to your tradition, can be a very powerful and effective way of removing and blocking harm. The other interesting thing is sometimes if you position these things in ways where they can signal danger, they can be very helpful. If you place a knife against the inner part of a door, obviously don't do this if you have children or pets or things like that. But if you were to place a knife with its tip facing down into the floor and the handle facing up and leaned against that corner, if it were to fall on its own accord, not because someone opening or shutting a door, that's a signal that there's danger. That could be a signal to a witch that someone is practicing against them. If for some reason you're, you take that Bible out from under your bed after a while and the scissors have moved position, that's another signal. So these things can be both active and passive in how they work. They can actively protect you and they can inform you when you need to be doing other protection as well. I've heard of the, the scissors on the Bible um, and I haven't tried it yet, but it seemed intriguing mm -hmm. to give that a, a try, especially like next to the bed because mm -hmm. you're vulnerable when you're sleeping. Yes. <clears throat> Have you tried that one? If I'm a good practitioner at what I do, why would I let people know what protections I use? <laughs> That's another thing. You can vouch for something that works. <laughs> it is something I do, but I don't do it precisely like that. Um, I keep my Bible open to the 91st Psalm on the floor, scissors open in a very specific way. Um, and at the head of my bed. Mm. Going back to what I was saying earlier, that's another thing. 
if you are someone who has friends that might not actually be friends and more like enemies, maybe don't invite them to your house. A, just duh. Why would you invite enemies in? But also they would be no they would know what to look for if they're a good practitioner. They're gonna see the scissors in your window and be like, okay, I need to find a way around that. Mm. Protection works when it's secret. Hide these things. Don't let them be blatant. If you're going to wear a red string, it's traditional to wear it on the wrist. Maybe think about wearing it on your ankle instead, where your pant leg will cover that, or your sock or your shoe is going to cover that. Mm. Um, in Mexico, it's common to wear a red belt around the waist, your actual waist. Um, shirts cover that. You would want to wrap it around like the navel part of your body shirts cover that no one's going to know that that is your protection so be careful about who you divulge your any magic for that matter to um the thing where like this kind of comes into uh, a bit of an issue is that in Mexican tradition, we do the Bible on the floor with the scissors. In Appalachian folk magic, it's said that the devil will walk into any house where the Bible is on the floor. So these are the situations where you have to be like, which one of these am I going to adhere to? <laughs> <laughs> which one matters more? Yeah. For me, because I have Mexican background, I'm going to go with I'm putting my Bible on the floor with scissors on it. I wasn't raised in Appalachia, so the idea of the devil stomping into a home with a Bible on the floor is kind of foreign to me. It wouldn't make much sense to me. So that's what I choose to do. Now let's move on to some of the plants around you. And I'm going to give this example because it's very catch-all. Most places, if you live in the Northern part of the world are going to have some kind of evergreen and often that evergreen is going to be some kind of pine. Pine is good for cleansing. It's good for purification, protection. It's good for luck and money. It's good for purifying and creating happy spaces um, because it's evergreen. That's where the money aspect comes in. But evergreen is also constant joy. It's always there. With pine, you can harvest it and hang it in, again, above your front door. You can scatter the needles on your doorstep um, to purify the, the, the home. You can burn it, of course, dry it and burn it. Pine resin itself can be very healing. Um, it's used in salves, but even if you don't know how to make those or you don't want to go that route, you know, take all that time to do that. You can take the pine resin, um, store it for a maybe a couple months until it gets a little hard and then burn that as incense that purifies that also is good at sweetening the environment or making it you know a, a place inviting for love um and healing if someone is sick or after sickness you can burn that to help get rid of the lingering effects of sickness you can burn it in prayers for someone who is sick let's say someone is undergoing chemo you can burn this and you know smoke carries our prayers so burning a healing resin while praying for healing is a good combination pine 
when you gather it, you should always, any plant, you should always make an offering. That again is going to vary on tradition. It can be tobacco, it can be pennies, it could be popcorn, but give something. I, a lot of times, when I take plant medicines, will offer my own hair. I clip pieces of my own hair and leave that because that is a part of my body. I'm offering part of my body to receive the body of the plant. Now let's move on to your cupboard. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that before. You know, if you want to make a certain kind of incense or if you need herbs, look in your pantry, look in your cupboard. Um, or even just on your kitchen table. Black pepper is very protective. It is very banishing. Black pepper can be used for a lot of those things. It can be used to purify. It can be used to, it can be used to summon demons and to throw curses even. Um, it is a very powerful plant. Um, for those of you that know what black salt is, oftentimes black pepper will be added to black salt. For those of you that know what run, double run, and hot foot powder are, it will be added to both of those. Another is chili. <clears throat> Whether it be hot, uh, red pepper flakes or chilies themselves or paprika even, any of the peppers, except the sweet peppers, are good at protecting. Um, they can be used in fiery wall protection workings. They can be used, again, in hexing even, um, or in hot foot powder to get someone to go away. The chilies, anything hot and spicy, can cause movement and quickness. So you can also add these things to things that you want to get done quickly. You can add a little bit of red pepper to a money drawing working to get it to move a little faster, put some heat under it. See, I've heard of using coffee for quicker movement. Yes. Coffee, again, because we're going back to doctrine of signatures, coffee gives us an energy boost. It's going to do that same thing for the working using coffee, black tea, cocoa, real cocoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> those things all contain caffeine or a cousin of caffeine, theobromine in the case of cocoa. Those get things moving and... It can do that for the working as well as us. Mm. And then salt. Everyone knows about salt. It's one of the very first things you encounter in witchcraft. It can be purifying. In Mexican brujería, it can also be used to curse. There are certain ways that you would acquire these kinds of salt. Mm -hmm. And because salt, when placed on grass or really anything that's like naturally alive, can kill it. Salt is used a lot in cursing and banishing works as well. Mm. All three of these items have, they're two-handed is what it's called. They can function to heal and they can function to harm. Um, what you decide to do with it is up to you. I'm just giving you the information. <laughs> but again, black pepper, salt, that's on pretty much everyone's kitchen table. If you go out to eat and you don't have black pepper or salt, Put some somewhere with you in a napkin or something, make a little packet and take it home with you. Um, again, 
there are ways that that can be worked in too. Um, salt acquired from bars, drinking establishments, is part of the salts used in Mexican brujería to cause curses. Um, so you can take these things from certain establishments to create things. Um, sugar taken from, uh, let's say, like... What's the word for... <laughs> I don't want to say a, say a strip bar but gentlemen's <laughs> club yes there we go sugar taken from there is really good for love and sex and lust workings um wait love as in like romantic love or one night stand love like gentlemen's bar that is not what i think of for right it can be used for whatever you want because there's this idea of glamoring and beguiling that occurs there right they're dancing. Yeah. Dancing is mesmerizing. Um, you know, aside from the obvious symbology of what, you know, a gentleman's club is, there's more to it. You know, a lot of them do their makeup very well. That's glamour. You know, again, dancing, that's mesmerizing. Mm. You know, there's a lot more involved there. And there are people who in the root work community will make oils and stash it somewhere in the club for a month and then return and pick that oil back up to use it. So how many people listening to this who owns a gentleman, it's going to be like scouring (laughs) their bottles of oil in their establishment. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there are, again, folk magic, you have to have a little bit of like a wit to get some of these things to really work powerfully like this. Um, yeah, you could take a bottle of olive oil, put a rose, you know, a rose petal in there and pray the Song of Solomon over it. That's effective. Mm-hmm. Or you can do that, but also stash it at a gentleman's club for a month and then come back for it and see how much stronger that is. Um, so yeah, black pepper, chili, salt, all of these things are probably right in your cabinet. And I'm not even going to go going to go into things like bay leaf and chamomile tea and basil, you know, those other things that are in there cuz they have, you know, entire ways to be used themselves too. Mm-hmm. These are just the three primary ones that I often reach for. I mean, I think tea bags are such a forgotten about resource. Oh yeah. For people, you know. Um you don't have to have jars and jars and jars of herbs if you don't want. Just mm-hmm. get a couple of boxes of tea. Yeah. You Peppermint, know? chamomile, and lavender. If you have those three, you can do quite a bit with just those three things. Um, and then those combined with, you know, things you already have. Now, one of the most basic and simplest things that <laughs> one of my friends wanted to start learning witchcraft And this is the only instance where I've ever seen this. And I was like, okay, I'll show you the bare minimum basics. Do you have paper and a pen? She had a pen. There was no paper in the house. And I'm like, we can't. Scrap paper, the back of something that was. Exactly. (laughs) And I was like, okay, do you have like a bag of sugar or something? Brown paper lunch bag? Yes. And she goes, no. Oh, (laughs) so. That is the only time that that has ever happened to me. And that is incredibly rare. So if you have paper and pen, you have enough tools to start something. 
I feel like there was a crisis going on in that house. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you have no paper? Yeah, it was. Oh. But paper and pen. And depending on what kind of papers um, that you have around, you can use those. So like I was saying, sugar. The brown paper used when you buy a pound of sugar, if you save that, is good for sweetening. It's good for drawing things in. It's good for love and lust. It's good for um, if you want to raise, you can use that to sweeten your boss to get a raise. Um, flour. You know, flour is a staple. And so you can use a the flour bag for abundance, for prosperity, for... You know, in the case of folk magic coming from, you know, more or less poor people, it's where a lot of these traditions came from, it would have been used just to make sure they had enough. They would, or it, it wouldn't be, you know, crazy to think that they took a flower bag and wrote an amount of money on it and then wrote an appropriate psalm over that and carried that with them to help draw in that money that they just needed. Um. So again, use, you know, be creative. Cereal is another staple. Use the cardboard box from cereal to help you with that. Um. <clears throat> well, I mean, and even if you think about it, cereal, let's face it, most cereal right now is very sugary, not as yeah. healthy for you, but anybody who ate cereal as a kid, like you had your favorite and you were happy when you were eating it. So that's a sugary joy. Yes. You know, grind up some cereal, throw that into a working for mm -hmm. happiness and joy. Yeah. You have everything you need around you. Even if, even if you were stranded on an island, you wouldn't need anything to do magic. To survive, that's another story. But to do magic. Meh, who wants to <laughs> Yeah. Let's say you were on a sandy land. You have a stick and you have sand. Go write your partition in that and then throw it into the ocean. There's very few things that you absolutely need that nature can't already, where you are, provide for that. But paper and pen, prayers, writing down the Psalms. I mean, if you have, if you want to do this, you can definitely tear out the page of the Psalm, but... <laughs> I like to keep my Bible intact so I have a good reference book and I don't have pages flying everywhere that I got to go look for. Um, and there are some workings that do require you to rip a page out of a Bible to use that. But um, the book lover in me just cringes at the thought <laughs> of ripping Cracking pages. Out of spine. <laughs> oh my God. Even the Bible. Like, really, is this necessary? <laughs> really? Can we go to the, you know, thrift store and find one that's already kind of fallen apart? Yeah. <laughs> um, but take a piece of paper, you know, a, a eight by eight and a half by 11 uh, postcard. Again, any kind of paper, a post-it note and write out a psalm that is appropriate to your situation and carry that with you. Fold it up and carry it with you. Yes, you can add herbs. Yes, you can tie it with red thread. Yes, you can anoint it with certain oils, but you don't have to. Again, folk magic, these people used what was already available to them and around them. And then if you really want to get fancy, you can start learning how to do sigils or use pre-made sigils or seals. 
of the planets and of the angels, of the demons, if you want to go that route too. I mean, I feel um, like that would be something that would be more of a live discussion. Yeah. Rather than a podcast, I can actually show people how to do it. I can do sigils. The sigils I do aren't like, you know, you write out what you want and cross out this and, you know, all that. Mine are more like images, mm. like symbols and images. So like for happiness, you would use a sun to attain happiness, maybe draw an arrow through that sun, you know, drawing that to you. So stuff like that. Um, petitions. Same thing. Write down a prayer or a petition on a piece of paper. Write a psalm over that, or you know, there are many ways to write petitions. And then tuck that under a candle that you light. Tuck it under your pillow, carry it with you, put it in your left shoe, throw it at a graveyard if you're trying to get rid of something or kill something. Um, not a person, because that's a whole other thing. Do not do graveyard magic unless you know how to do graveyard magic. <laughs> um, I was like, you just open up a box of worms there, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Let's say you are trying to get a big sum of money, write out your petition and then put that petition. Most banks, their front lawn, or at least near the entrance, will have mulch. You know how easy it is to move that mulch to dig a hole, stick the petition in there and cover it up? That is a good way to draw money to you. Really, security's not like, what do you do in there, sir? Oh, I've gone to courthouses and police places, and I've just sat there. I've just, in the broad of daylight, just sat there, put down my pennies, scooped some up into a bottle, and taken it home. And no one batted an eye. I, I feel like we need to have a camera crew following you around. <laughs> well, <laughs> like that is a whole other project that. I wanted to do. A day in the life of readers and workers. <laughs> um, but, yeah, bury your petitions at places of power. Um, let's say you need an upper hand in getting a job. Yeah, you could bury a petition at the job site. But let's go a little further, you know, with our thinking here. Libraries are a source of information. They inspire readers. Maybe bury that petition to get a job at a library or tuck it in one of the books. And then when you go in for your interview, you'll have, you'll know exactly what to say. You'll know exactly how to respond. Again, you have to be a little bit creative with this. And then we have charms. All manner of charms. You can take a coin, a nail, a piece of paper with a petition written on it. Bury it somewhere to empower it anoint it with some oil, dress it in some herbs, soak it in perfume. So many ways to make a charm that you would carry with you to get the power and receive that blessing that you're looking for. Um, let's say you want to find love. Do you have a locket laying around? Maybe a ring if you're looking for engagement or marriage? Soak that in your favorite cologne or perfume. Take it out. Read the Song of Solomon over it. Carry that with you. Very simple and easy charm to do right there. Protection. Get four nails. 
put some olive oil on it and recite the 91st Psalm and put each nail in the corner of your house outside of the house. Protection around all of the house. So many easy charms to make. Again, if you just think a little bit about how to do it. Do you have comments? <laughs> no, I'm actually just sitting here thinking, I'm like, you know, I've never really done much with charms. I've done sigils. I've done, you know, powders, oils. But I've never played with the charms so much. Um, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should start. Just... Or giggles. There's this thing called um, hunting money or trained money that you work with. You anoint it, you empower it, whatever. Um, and when you pay with it, it's meant to come back to you. It's meant to find its way back to you. You also have just keys. Everyone carries keys with them, right? Let's say you want a protection while driving. You can either go purchase, you know, an oil for protection or make your own olive oil, black pepper, maybe some rosemary and basil or bay. Pray the 91st Psalm over it. There's a protection oil. Let that sit for a few days, maybe a week. Rub the metal part of the key onto the key or rub the oil onto the key. Immediately, your key for your car has now also become your protection charm um same with house keys protection oil on a house key or um another one would be like road opening oil anoint your house key with road opening oil every time you open your door it's like you're opening an opportunity to your household so again creativity hmm. i like the road opening thing I just know how many more opportunities I can handle. <laughs> <This moment. laughs> yes. They can be overflowing, you know. <laughs> a silver platter is great, but sometimes, you know, if it's too full, things can fall off. Yes. Better be the size of like a waitress. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, <clears throat> for reference for some of you who want to either read about some folk magic forms, or learn a little bit more about this. Some of the books I recommend in Brokurai and Powwow or Pennsylvania Dutch Magic would be The Long Lost Friend. That is like the, the go-to for Brokurai and Powwow. Um, another is Hex and Spellwork. The Red Church. The Red Church is a thick book and I've heard that it's really difficult to get through. I've never read it because of the warnings I've heard about it. Like it's it's a dense, serious read. Um, but there is the Red Church. For Mountain Conjure, Mountain Conjure or Appalachian Hoodoo and Folk Magic, we have Doctor and the Devil and, Back and Backwoods Witchcraft by Jake Richards. Um, Hex and Spellwork is by Carl Hare and The Long Lost Friend. At this point, it, it's like one of those books that you kind of just, everyone knows it just by the title. I forget the author. <laughs> um, just Google Long Lost Friend, it'll pop right up. Hex and Spellwork by Carl Hare, Doctrine the Devil and Backwoods Witchcraft by Jake Richards, American Brujeria by J. Allen Cross, 
Mahia Mahia. That is an independent publication, Mahia Mahia. It is by, I can't remember, (laughs) but it's M-A-G-I-A, M-A-G-I-A, Mahia Mahia. And that is about um, Brujeria, more in the context of like Texas borderland Brujeria, City Mm -hmm. Alchemist. That is the author, City Alchemist. Um, Blood of Brujeria is also by them. Then we have these two are kind of like very Americanized curanderismo. Um, I would tread lightly with these two titles, but there is some information that is of value in them. And that is Cleansing Rites of Curanderismo and Curanderismo Sol Retrieval um, by Erika Buenflor. Then we have Woman Who Glows in the Dark. And that one is a very well-known and trusted book by curanderos and curanderas in America um, that have solid foundations and lineages. You know, in, in curanderismo, you have to take a, an apprenticeship and a lot of like the, the masters will recommend reading that book. So that is a very well-trusted book. For Hoodoo Root Work and Conjure, The Psalms. If you have a Bible, open the Psalms. You have an entire spell book right there. The sixth and seventh books of Moses. Um, that one in the modern era isn't used as much, but it definitely was used back in the day. Um, it's just kind of fallen out of fashion. It's, it's like how Hoodoo now looks a lot different than Rootwork and Conjure used to look, you know, back in the early 1900s. Old Style Conjure by Mama Starcassus. And then I wrote down this author's name because I think he was going to have a book out and he never did. So he wants, we won't talk about that one. Um, and then Folk Magic, uh, holistically in America, in we have New World Witchery by, I can never say his name right, Hutchison. Hutchison, yes. Um, that's his last name, Corey Thomas Hutchison. He talks about the different types of folk magic that are found in America, as well as the specifics of them. So let's say you want to learn about charm bags. Well, you have Gleegly and Mojo and Nation Sacks in Hoodoo Work and Conjure, but there's also the medicine bundle and the medicine pouch from Native culture. And then there's, you know, a similar packet that is made in Brokerai, you know, things like that. So he talks about the topic, and then the various ways that 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 thing manifested in, in the different cultures that existed in the new world. So that is a very good reference book for Folk Magic of America. A lot of those we carry normally in the store too. So if we're ever out, they'll be back in. Yes. <clears throat> the Long Lost Friend is actually, uh, it's under Llewellyn right now. Um, I was trying to look some of these up as you were talking about them. The Long Lost Friend, the two popular versions of it that I've seen, there is one that is in English, and there's another that's in English, German, and has commentary. The Long Lost Friend, much like the Bible itself, are considered charms in and of themselves. It's said that if you just carry the long lost friend with you, 
it provides luck, it provides protection, and it provides opportunity. Um, the book itself has power, not just the things that are taught in it. Because mm. the one that I'm finding is by Daniel Harms. Um, the original author, I can't think of what his name was. It's like you know, Johan or George or something. I don't remember. Like we'll, we'll get a couple of it and see what they, you know, if this is the right one. Because of course, titles are not copywritten. You can have a million books with the same title. Right. So we'll get that in and make sure it's the right one. But um, that being said, we we chose to do this podcast timely because we we you have a class coming up on folk magic. I do. <clears throat> so if you're in the Cleveland area, stop out for it. Maybe at some point we'll see about recording it and offer uh, it online for friends of ours, listeners who are not in Cleveland on that particular day. <laughs> yes. Um, I will also be, the, the shop will be carrying one of the, the very first charm that I spoke about and one of my favorites. And that is the red cord that has already been blessed over seven days. Um, each knot contains the same prayer for protection. And all you need to do after purchasing it or making one, I invite anyone to, you know, make their own. Very mm -hmm. simple and easy to do. Is to find someone who loves you, a family member, ideally, to tie it around your left wrist. Whatever other extra prayers you want to add, you are fully entitled to do. It should not cause any problems. I mean, these were blessed with the Holy Spirit. So if you're trying to bless someone with Abaddon, I mean, there's a conflict there, but have at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have those soon. The next time you're in, you'll bring them in with you. Yes. So, um, well, thank you. It was very informative and even a couple little things. I'm like, why haven't I thought to do that? Seems so like common sense and basic, like seriously. Um, note to self, do better. <laughs> <laughs> Again, with, with folk magic, it's, you know, these things came out of necessity. They came out of need. So like these people that this magic comes from, they had to do a little bit of thinking themselves. They had to be a little clever and witty about it. Mm -hmm. it just goes to show most magical practices did not start with all these fancy altar items and expensive pieces it's what you had around the house yep. so a copper penny is just as powerful as a copper talisman there we go all right well thank you this was interesting you are very welcome and, and you have a couple more coming up for us here soon mm -hmm. so be on the lookout for those podcasts coming but uh, all right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining. And, thank you for uh, having me. <laughs> and uh, we will uh, see you all next time. Bye. Bye.